Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Clock Talk with Dr. Greg Brennan. Today, we're going to talk about gut health. Obviously, a very hot topic this day and age. And of course, if you think about it, the gut uh, consumes lots of food, lots of different types of food, lots of chemicals, pretty much lots of everything. And as a result, um, it's obviously pretty important, and we're learning more and more every day. So, doctor, let's talk about gut microbiome. What is it? And we'll start from there. Yeah, beautiful. The key thing we're talking about today is what the gut is. The technical term is called the alimentary canal, based on the mouth down to the anus, focus on the stomach, the small intestines, the large intestines. Uh, it acts as a barrier and acts, uh, and it acts as though you talked about, absorbing our nutrients. But with the talk, today's talk, we're going to tie that together with how estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are vital for the, for the actual function of the gut health. So the big thing is to understand, first off, we talked about is the gut. So what is a microbiome? We have these bacteria that are synergistic with our body. We have roughly, we have bacteria, we have fungus in our gut that are healthy for us. Roughly between two to five pounds of our gut is bacteria. Trillions of cells, over a thousand different species. And what they do is... There's multiple functions, but they help. First off, the gut is a barrier. They actually make an extra layer of cell, and they make mucus. Those are protected. That's actually vital for how it works with us. Okay, uh -huh. so let me um, just stop for a second because uh -huh. we obviously talk a lot about gut. But just from a simple anatomy perspective, food, mouth, digest, goes down the esophagus into the stomach, and then you go to the small, small intestine and then the large intestine. So what actually is the gut that we're talking we're about? We're going to focus on the stomach. Okay. The small intestine and large intestines. All right. Okay. All right. So when you think about gut, small, small, excuse me, stomach, small and large. Right. And the stomach should have no bacteria. That's why the acid there kills it. Okay. So what you're doing is you're taking these macromolecules and you're breaking them down to smaller components. The body can absorb them. That's what they do. So I'm going to focus on the progesterone part too. Progesterone's main function for this is to control smooth muscle, therefore motility. It relaxes smooth muscle, so it gives the time, the food, the time to digest. It relaxes. Uh, testosterone. There's a couple functions I want to make sure we understand. Testosterone is very important for the overall function of the gut health in that it protects the motility. It protects the actual. Uh, the way that the gut senses pain, and also it decreases inflammation. That's what testosterone is to the gut. We're gonna spend a lot of time on, on estrogen. Give me the next the first chart. Estrogen is the key one. When you look up here at the gut dysbiosis, what gut, gut dysbiosis is, that term, when is the bacteria mycome is out of balance. You have the pathogenic outweighing the, 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 uh, the synergistic ones. And I'm going to go in a minute why that's important, the estrogen. So this is what happens. And this is out of, out of, out of whack with different gram-negative, different gram-positive uh, bacteria. What that does is there's disease process where it's going to throw off. This is important. The gut is crucial in what's called the homostasis of estrogen. Estrogen being out of balance, too high, PCOS, endometriosis, PMS, too low, Hypo, uh, hot flashes, uh, gut dysbiome. And what happens is when the gut dysbiose occurs, the bacteria in your gut changes. And women say they can't, perimenopause women, they can't lose weight because the bacteria actually changes, which actually makes them store fat. So we're going to go over all this kind of stuff. So obesity, metabolic syndrome, cancer, and brain function. We're going to break all those down a little bit and how they work. But the bacteria in your gut 
There's over a trillion different cells I talked about. There are four major categories of phylo groups of these things, bacteroides, firmactus, lactobacillus. These are important bacteria there, but it's the balance in which they do. And here's what's key with estrogen. Estrogen, both testosterone and estrogen in the blood of both men and women, testosterone converts to estrogen. Estrogen then goes down a pathway and goes into the bile. The bile then puts it into the small intestines and the small intestines you think now you pass the estrogen. No, you actually have estrogen in the small intestines that's bound, that's un it's inactive, but your body needs some of that back again. It's called recycling, called reabsorbing. So there's these bacteria that make a thing called beta-glucuronase that actually splits this little molecule off. Now your estrogen is free again to go back in circulation. So if you have too many bacteria that make too much beta, you have too much estrogen. You have enough, you have too little. That's why it's very important to be there. Also, the back, what that happens is then we talk about the symptoms that go PCOS uh, is more of a hyperagenic low, it's basically a, a imbalance of estrogen versus progesterone. Uh, the inflammation decreasing, you have increased inflammation, increases leps absorption of um, the sugar throws all this off, increases diabetes. We'll go that in a little bit more detail. But that's what that's what's happened with the estrogen part. I'm gonna go over the nerves in a moment. So how did gut become so important? Because I mean, if sure in your OBGYN practice, years and years and years of doing this, when you had patients at PCOS, you were not thinking about the gut. So no. what happened? Yeah, it's very interesting. First started, we get a thing called, there's a disease process that we all know, if you take too many antibiotics called C. difficile, where you get this wicked diarrhea. It's because you killed the normal bacteria. And the treatment then is a probiotic. So the gut health, I've been getting into about the last 15 years, but it really is new stuff. They, uh, they actually found people who um, have very bad, different gut issues actually doing fecal transplants. But there's ways to get by with that by just changing the biome again. But these the opportunistic bacteria, they grow with fat carbohydrates, smoking, alcohol, these environment toxins. So that's a hostile environment. A good environment for the good bacteria are high fats, high proteins, because the fats do these these bacteria have besides the function of the estrogen. There's another thing they do that's very important. Is there actually the these bacteria producing called short chain fatty acids that are extremely important for our nerve development. And they also make the neurotrans, the brain's neurotransmitters, the serotonins, the dopamines, they're not made in the brain. They're made actually in the gut by bacteria. That's why an imbalance that has been shown anxiety, IBS people, uh, uh, constipation, diarrhea are more prone to anxiety and depression. So is endometriosis because there's a correlation back to the testosterone, the gut, the gut's nervous system is completely, it's, they call it the second brain. It's, uh, it's, they call it the enteric nervous system. You have two nervous systems, central nervous system and the enteric nervous system. It's intertwined of both of those. So let's talk about obesity. Um, <laughs> obviously, that seems to be the most relatable thing. Uh, if you, you know, people are overweight, for example, it's automatically assumed that, you know, there's some problems with their metabolism digesting food or they're eating too much food or whatever the reasons are. Mm -hmm. So kind of walk us through, you know, the gut as it relates to obesity and what, if anything, can be done about that. Okay, good. So the key again is this has to go to the hormone imbalance. So if you have the if you have this correct bacteria and the correct bacteria are there again with the proper diet. That's why it's important to have the proper diet. But this is a big this is a big killer. Most of our stuff is sprayed with um, before our grains and our food beforehand, the, even the animals, the food that our animals eat, we eat, 
Roundup and atrazine, these pesticides. So the bacteria flora is messed up. It all starts way back when, when we're delivered. Our flora, our gut gets the first woof of bacteria when we deliver. C-section babies have a different flora starting off than a vaginal birth delivery. So there's a different bias, bias right there. So obesity, the problem is when you have these bacteria that love the starches that are growing up there, they will not circulate the estrogen properly. That's the problem. They actually increase the, the amount of sugar in your body. Now you're not digesting it properly and you're storing the sugar. You're taking sugar as energy, not as fat as energy. Talk about the vaginal delivery compared to the C-section as it relates to babies having a much more balanced gut microbiome. How does that happen? Because the, the normal bacteria of the vagina is actually the bacteria that colonizes the gut from birth. And if you give antibiotics, there's, there's a very bad disease called beta strep septicemia where babies can get that when they go through the canal. So the, the, it, we have to make sure penicillin is a treatment for that. So you got to make sure they don't have that, bac that bacteria in the vagina. But if they don't, then that colonizes the gut because you have a sterile environment. The amniotic fluid is sterile, Jim. So therefore, the first time it's going to get is when the amniotic breaks and now in the canal. So now this is the way the body, you know, God made this process that now that being colonized by that gut. And you think about it, the amount of genomes, DNA, RNA that we have that's symbiotic with that has come from these bacteria and, the, and these viruses within our gut. So that's where the flora starts from, Jim. But again, a vaginal birth, a vaginal birth has a different, less infections early on. And I've done probably two, 3,000 C-sections, but there's, you know, to save the baby's life, there's a thing. So the question is the fine line between using antibiotics and not using antibiotics. And when you use antibiotics, uh, we use the antibiotics now as a C-section, you do it after the cord clamp, not before. So you're doing it for the C-section of the mother's infection, not prior to the C-section. We used to do that because then you're giving the antibiotics to the baby who went to the womb. So you give the antibody afterwards. Okay. So it's, it's the gut floor. You said, when's this happening? All these multi-disciplines in OB and GI and internal medicine, all these things are coming together. Look, the gut is a skin. It's just the internal skin. That barrier must be protected. And a big thing with the gut and, and the bacteria down there too, you get these hostile environment down there with these toxins, that lining between the endothelial lining actually can damage. And when that's damage, then pathogens, foreign proteins that should not be in the blood are going into the blood. It's called leaky gut syndrome. And that, now we're going to get in the next talk on the immune system, that could affect the immune system as well. So that's why it's important to understand the biggest hormone balance with the gut, it's the balance of, of estrogen because estrogen controls short-chain fatty acids, the hormone balance, and the neurotransmitters are all made in the gut. So when you talk about estrogen, what, being too low, and that's why people... Uh, have a have they a, have a different mycome. They got dysbiosis. Yes, they have a difficult time losing weight. Yes. So can you just jack up the estrogen and then everything's fine? Yeah, that's yes. In a menopausal, in a perimenopausal state with the hyperestrogenic, and this this one paper I think we're going to link to that talks about all these complications of low estrogens. So looking, to, they're looking at how to help the symptoms of low estrogen. I think the root cause is just give estrogen to younger level, younger levels, balance with testosterone and balance with progesterone. That will by itself redo the gut flora. Plus, I'm a huge believer in proper probiotics. You want to get all four of those categories and ripe of balances. And then there are certain disease processes where certain normal bacteria aren't good for you. So there's ways to sample it, to test it, uh, 
grow cultures to make sure you get the right bacteria inside. There's a methane test. There's a, uh, there's a hydrogen test. There's ways to be specific on what bacteria, but 90% of us have the right for phyla. So if you do have a, uh, uh, a leak um, in your lining, yes. how do you fix that? Inflammation. Testosterone is anti-inflammatory. That's one very important thing. Aloe vera is another great one. An amino acid called L-glutamine. And lowering the toxic environment. The toxic environment are starches. Starches are the food of the bad bacteria. The bad bacteria, besides not making the neurotransmitters, besides not making the short-chain fatty acids, besides not controlling the estrogen of circulation, they're inflammatory. That's the problem. And that mucus layer they make, the opportunity that's getting hindered. So that's why it's important to have the correct bacteria in your gut to have the protective lining. You say starches, are you talking about mostly grains, grains, carbohydrates, breads, things like that? Simple sugars. Or are you talking about actual, you know, organic potatoes, for example, and uh, the other more, types of starches? The more a less soluble starch, the better it is on the gut. Simpler to break down, the worse on the gut. So what's that? Going off topic a little okay. bit, but uh, so we are. You know, we've been told for years and years that red meat is very difficult to digest, and you always heard these myths out there that you eat a steak and it stays with you for seven days before it finally passes through the gut. Mm. Talk about that. that that's fallacy. Um, your gut will uh, will train for what's in there. I can't stress Sean Baker's the carnivore diet goes through a whole section on what you just said. Sean was on our podcast a few years ago. So the answer is no, your gut's very adaptable. You may change your, when you change your diet, you may be constipated or things can happen at the beginning, but no. And this is the thing about it is when you eat meat, we can't equate grass fed versus steroid antibiotic. You get a, a meat that's been shot with antibiotics and steroids, that's different. But red meat and high, and high healthy fat, the bad fat are trans fat and vegetable oils. Those are the ones that destroy the short-chain fatty acids. Those are the ones that destroy the gut. Omega-6 is terrible. So these are things that the gut, so the bottom line with the gut going to do, remove the toxins, starches, alcohol, smoking. Um, and the thing that actually strengthens the gut is fasting when you have time to give the gut a break. So the balance of the, again, progesterone does the time, testosterone helps the inflammation, estrogen helps the flora. All three of those together make the gut healthier. Yeah, you know, I think other thing too, it makes sense that they, you want to rest the gut, but you know, on top of that too, we're, a lot of people are on medications um, and we probably never study the effect of the gut on these medications as well. The biggest one is antibiotics. Uh, I've read this paper, one course of ampicillin will change the gut flora for 42 days. So if I see antibiotics, then I double up with the probiotics. And again, a good broad spectrum probiotic is very, very important. Excellent. As always. 15 minutes of packed information. Thank you, Dr. Brennan. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. 